Welcome into the podcast, Scott. Plenty to dish on today. Tua Tagovailoa. I'm going to defend the NFL because nobody else seems to want to. Judge, he's chasing down 62 home runs. Still hasn't done it yet. I want to defend Justin Fields. He's wrongly been accused of not being good through the air. Well, maybe he shouldn't have been doing that from the get-go. We'll touch on that. Harbaugh and Staley analytics. It's got a place in the game, not a complete takeover. MLB manager vacancies. There's going to be plenty of them. Plenty of them. A lot of turnover in Major League Baseball. Who's going to be at the helm for your team? And then there's teams in shambles in the NFL. Direction is hopeless. And we're going to touch on those teams. It's episode 98 of the podcast. Somewhat already old news but it obviously bears talking about because he's meeting with the NFL PA, the NFL to talk about how his concussion or his back injury, whatever the hell it was after Buffalo, how that was handled. Mike McDaniel, head coach of the Dolphins, says everything was followed to a T, to his knowledge. Obviously, he doesn't know exactly what happened with the doctors, what they asked to a what they uh, saw in Tua and his uh, uh, demonstrations, his actions, his words, back and forth. Obviously, Tua Tagovailoa wants to play football. He wants to be out there. If he has any sort of inkling of normalcy, he's going to be playing in the football game in Cincinnati. So the player's always going to lean that way. What bothers me is the conclusion-oriented nature of all of us. We're watching that game. And he goes down hard, almost identical, I tweeted out, to Buffalo. He hit his head square on his back like he did against Buffalo in Cincinnati. And everybody thinks it's related. Everybody thinks that was proof that he shouldn't have been playing in Buffalo. How do we know that? Because of the fencing mechanism? Yeah, like that. that's a solid indicator. We don't know that. That hit could have, in it of itself, provided that or uh, 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 prompted that fencing mechanism. I hate the F the man crowd, anti-establishment, stick it to the NFL. Those people were out in droves on Thursday evening. Good night for them. Even a better week for them now. However, this guy, this neurologist that has since been fired, they say that things were wronged. Yeah, I'm going to wait until the public report comes out until I believe that. They're going to be providing that. Should be a couple days now, maybe a week. I'm expecting it soon. They're going to provide evidence. And they're going to find something just to save face from the public and the media to prove that something was wronged here. But when the head coach, when the quarterback, when the neurologist independent of the uh, the team, independent of the Dolphins, when all three of those people say that it was a back injury prior to Cincinnati, I tend to think everything was A-OK. Moreover, when was the last time we saw a situation like this? Suspected head injury. Team said it was another. And then that player plays, and then something else happens. I don't remember it. I don't remember a compounding effect situation. From my point of view, this concussion protocol that's been going on in the NFL, it's worked. Name me another situation. It's not there. You won't find it. Had this happened to a defensive end, an offensive guard, would we have batted an eye? 
I, I, I don't think so. I think Amazon and the broadcast would have swiftly moved on to, to John Feliciano or whoever was the sixth-round pick in the 2022 draft that came in at offensive tackle. It would not have been an issue, but because it's Tua Tagovailoa, former first-round pick, Alabama, likable guy, it's talked about. And you obviously feel for the person. Concussion or no concussion, you can make the argument he should not have been out there. I can get on board with that. I'm all for saving guys. But just because there's a bad protocol does not mean that the protocol was broken. And that's where nobody wants to go. The protocol could use improvement, sure. It has worked up until this point, though. It's not a terrible one. We had a terrible uh, confluence of events with Tua and Buffalo and then Tua in Cincinnati. So now the league is looking to improve upon it like they've done throughout their history of being the, the marquee professional football league. But that does not mean that rules were broken with the Dolphins. Things were followed to a T from what I'm seeing here. And until I get that published report, it's one thing for the league to say something was fishy going on. I think they want a fall guy. I think they just have to say that this independent neurologist broke some rule and they will find something that will be uh, defendable to fire him, but maybe something that's not so egregious. That's what I'm suspecting in this report. We'll look to hear more. But I really feel this was a situation of a couple of bad things happening back to back and it being a quarterback, a reputable name that people are really going to feel sorry for. But by and all, this has been a protocol that's actually worked very well for the National Football League. So as of this recording, and I have the Rangers-Yankees game on here on my phone as I record this, but Aaron Judge is sitting at 61 home runs with three ball games or two plus ball games here to go it is the most magnificent offensive season clean that I have ever seen and I know there's a lot of the uh, newfound and kind of hippie media folks that are getting real tired of Roger Maris Jr. seeing him tweet seeing him in Toronto seeing him in New York they've just had it and I'm eating it up I love that he's going on tour with Judge, and I love that he's speaking up about bonds and having illegitimacy of the home run record. I don't necessarily agree with it. I love that he's speaking his mind about steroid guys because they got no place in the Hall of Fame of baseball. We can let them back in the game. We can let them have their records. History is history. They can earn some money, but you're not getting in the Hall of Fame under my watch. I hope those voters continue to exist. But overall, this is a big deal. American League home run record, a Yankee ranking, a Yankee record, and it's in a walk year. The guy might leave New York after this. He could be making himself hundreds of millions of dollars based off the contract that he declined prior to, to the year, uh, up until the hours of, of opening day. It, it's it's extraordinary. I, I, I've never seen a season like this, and his OPS plus is like 212, and He's kind of had a a bit of a tough go of it hitting this home run, but it's not like he's not producing. He's getting like four walks a game. He's hitting, uh, uh, he's lacing singles up the middle and he's getting on base to provide some Yankee wins into the playoffs. So he's struggling to hit home runs, but he's not struggling overall. And, you know, it, it, it couldn't be more perfect for September with the NFL coming into full swing, I'm still eyeing baseball. I, I watch less baseball 
on Sundays, obviously, Monday evening, I got the Monday night game on. I like catching the Thursday night game. All, all primetime NFL, I'm there. So I do watch less baseball, but it's forced me to kind of tune into this. Like MLB.tv is giving me free game right now with with, with Judge and, and the Rangers. So, you know, it, this is great for baseball, and it is one of those things. I, I hope he stays with the Yankees because it'll be special for that to be cherished and that to be championed heading into 2023. And obviously you hope that this is momentum and the eyes being on New York for their postseason hopes in the world series. This is something that they can build off of with all the attention being on that. One guy that's been under harsh scrutiny and I'm kind of surprised that there's not more uh, public attention in defending the former Ohio State quarterback, Justin Fields, is, you know, he's obviously not passing well. And the Chicago offense through the air is just abysmal. And it's it, it goes back to like the 70s. So I, I understand why it's doom and gloom and everybody's wondering what's going on. I know Justin Fields said that stats don't matter. And uh, there was kind of some pushback on that. And, and you know, I'm going to defend the guy a little bit. I, I like him saying that. Stats do not matter. The only... One that really does is wins and losses, and that's what quarterbacks should say. Good for you, Justin Fields. And I think this is a guy that's been in position to fail from the jump. His former general manager trades away all the draft picks. That general manager, along with this current one, draft no guards, no centers, no tackles. That's what they need to be doing. They need to be treating this like a Lamar Jackson situation. Justin Fields has a strong arm. He doesn't have a gifted arm. I don't see a guy that can make a, a wide variety of throws. I got a guy that can put some shot plays through the air. I got a guy that can hit some uh, throws uh, uh, outside the numbers. But this isn't a guy that's going to be a drop back passer. This is not going to be a touch passer. This is going to be a guy that is going to plow forward, that can gash outside linebackers and run towards the sideline and up the middle. This is a guy that's a talented runner. This is a Lamar Jackson-type talent, not in the uh, level. I don't think he's as as talented as Lamar, but he's that type of player. And yet you hire Matt Eberflus. You got Ryan Pace at the beginning of the offseason when he's hired saying they're going to take back the North and not give it back, and then he trades away every single good player that they have except Justin Fields. This is just weird. Like, this guy has just been built to to lose games. It, like, it's weird to me that they're going into the season with this type of team. You would think they would be trying to build around this guy, but maybe it tells me that they're not in on Justin Fields. They don't even want him on the team. And if that's the case, why not dump him like you dumped everybody else? Why are you even holding on to him? You're forcing a square peg into a round hole. It does not make any sense. They need to be running the football and drafting offensive linemen and overpaying for tight ends in free agency. And maybe they do it next year. Maybe it comes around in the 2023 draft. And maybe they get guys like uh, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Like those are the types of players that they need. Big body receivers that can make contested catches because Justin Fields, he's not an accurate passer. He can put it on the body though. And a big, strong, Des Bryant type athlete, they can bring it down. That's what they need. So I, I feel for the guy. I like what he's doing at the microphone and saying that stats don't matter because they don't. They really don't. What does matter is wins and losses. And for you to give in and say that the offense is not doing a good job and kind of wearing your emotions at the podium, that would be the worst thing to do. So 
I know there there were some folks that didn't like that he was not recognizing that the passing has not been good. It hasn't. I think he was doing the right thing. So good luck, Justin Fields. Uh, I don't like the situation that you're in. Uh, they should have hired a different head coach, but they didn't, and we'll see where it goes from here. John Harbaugh is someone that I've always had mad respect for, even after the 2018 season or during the middle of the 2018 season. People forget there, there were talks of him getting fired, them finding a new coach for Lamar Jackson. Then they made the playoffs with Lamar. Uh, they they kind of made it close there at the end against the Chargers, and the rest is history. He's still with them, and you know they've won a bunch of games. But he he's gone all in on this uh, spreadsheet analytics thing, and I'm not anti-analytics. I'm all about having more information to make more informed decisions. I'm I'm all about going for it during the right times. But when it's a tie ball game and Josh Allen, you have the opportunity to put him in a situation where he has a deficit and he has four down territory and has to get a touchdown. You need to do that. You cannot potentially walk away with the game tied. You don't want to force them to get a touchdown when you have a guaranteed lead. And again, Justin Tucker, he's automatic. They would have made that kick. They all, with 99.99% chance, they would have made that kick. So this is a situation where people are just not understanding the risk. Like, the risk is you lost. You understand that? You lost. And you're you're not going to make the playoffs, potentially, with too many losses. So the Brandon Staley's of the world who are talking about the process. Like, what is the process? At some point, is this process going to be you're going to make them 100% of the time going for it on fourth down? Because last time I checked, you still have to go out there and execute the play. The process does not ma- matter because there's this thing called results, wins and losses. So when you lose too many games, you don't make the playoffs. And last time I checked, the Chargers did not make the playoffs. Harbaugh, he's a little bit more calculated with it. I know that he's got a guy telling him about it, and then he also feels out his players. There's just blind obedience with Staley, and that has failed him. There's there's no defending it. The process, it does not matter because you didn't make the playoffs. So, you know, these analytical guys, there's very, very few head coaches including Matt LaFleur, who's just hid behind Aaron Rodgers the entire time, a guy that doesn't know how to use starters on special teams. (laughs) Saban, Belichick, Tomlin, they've been using starters on special teams for years, since 2007, 2008, (laughs) 2002. Yet LaFleur doesn't know to use his starters on special teams. That, That was something he had to bring someone in, a special teams coach, to teach him how to do that after a loss to San Francisco in the playoffs. There's such bad game management between LaFleur's, the Staley's, um, Harbaugh's in there, but you know he's got experience. He's just kind of gone all in on this newfound way of doing things. It, it, it just proves to you that there's few good head coaches in the NFL. Tomlin, once he gets a quarterback situation figured out, whether that's this year, whether that's next year or in five years, the guy's going to be winning a lot of fucking games kicking ass and taking names because he knows how to manage football games. And you look at the Harbaugh's and the Staley's, they need to get back to their roots of understanding situations and not just looking at numbers that don't tell you what's exactly out there on the field during that game in that moment. I was listening to the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman, a couple of New York guys. They write for the New York Post, and they were talking about the manager positions in Major League Baseball that are 
vacant right now and likely to be vacant, could be vacant. And they came up with a list of jobs and they named more than me. I am just going off recall here. I got nine jobs written down that are either open or are likely to be open come the end of the season, whether that's September or after October baseball. And what I have written down is Toronto, Miami, Houston, Philadelphia, the Angels, Kansas City, Detroit, Cleveland, and Chicago. The last four all being in the AL Central. The lone survivor might be Rocco Baldelli of the Twins. So that entire division could get a facelift. Tony La Russa said he's not going to be healthy enough. He also didn't do a good enough job. Kansas City, they have Matheny, who they got a new general manager, a guy that didn't hire Mike Matheny. You got new ownership. They could say that you need to dump him too. And then you got Detroit, who's underwhelming with A.J. Hinch, and they also fired their general manager. And then Cleveland, Terry Francona, he's always leaving for health issues. If he wins the World Series with this club, likely would just call it a career. Philadelphia, they've done a great job. They made the postseason under Rob Thompson. However, you know they may look for a voice that's a little bit more of, a, of an established guy. And then, of course, the Angels fired Joe Madden along with Toronto, Miami, Don Mattingly left. And then Houston, Dusty Baker, he's not under a contract past this year. So there's a lot of jobs out there. And it just goes to show that, you know, while you do devalue the manager position, general managers clearly do. They're moving off guys left and right because they want a new voice. So this is a situation where if you want to improve your club, I think there's going to be more established voices than ever before because you look at the the guys like the Mets and Rob Thompson who filled in for Joe Girardi, another established guy. They've done well. Bob Melvin with the Padres, a guy that won in Oakland. So always going with the new shiny, young, chiseled jaw looking guy like Ali Marmol who's done a good job. I don't think he's done as good a job as the St. Louis media wants to make it out to be. But Going with someone with experience who knows how to manage a clubhouse, look at the Mets. They had all the talent in the world for years, but they couldn't hone it in until Buckshaw Walter got there. There's going to be a lot of jobs like that, so I think there could be a lot of names resurfacing, kind of like Bo Porter, the guy who was set to engineer these great Astro teams, but then they dumped him before they hired A.J. Hinch. There's going to be a lot of established names reemerge. I even think someone like Ozzie Guillen, could get back into baseball and it's going to be a fun off season to see who goes where and can't wait for it along with the postseason here in a couple days. So while the Dolphins are in some hot water with Tua Tagovailoa, they are off to a three and one start as are the Bills and you got the Jacksonville Jaguars who are having a solid season at two and two, the Tennessee Titans two and two, uh, but then you have some other teams like the Indianapolis Colts, Houston Texans, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, the Commanders, you know, they're, they're having a tough go of it along with the Saints and the Lions. And there, there's some teams out there where you can just tell already through four weeks, it ain't going to get better. Yeah, you might go on a two-game win streak, but you're ultimately going to, at best, finish with six, six wins. But that's best-case scenario. You're more than likely going to end up with a top-five draft pick. And I'm looking at the Colts right now. They don't have enough dynamic players. I, I did not think that they would be good enough, and I did not think that they could just transition to Matt Ryan and have an excellent uh, season 
Uh, I know that they just missed out on the playoffs last year, and I thought Frank Reich is a good coach when their teams get off to slow starts. Ron Rivera traditionally has been that, but I look at both of those clubs, Washington, Indianapolis, they just don't have enough talent. And Tennessee, I don't think they have enough talent. Houston, they're 0-3. And I know that they like Davis Mills and they, they like what they do on defense, but they're obviously really trying to slow play this thing, uh, given that they just had to give away a, a, a franchise quarterback because he was sleeping with every massage therapist in Texas. So, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have their players coming out and saying it's a rebuilding year. I heard Deontay Johnson say that. And, and the Raiders, they're a case where I, I think they're playing good football. And they got a big win against Denver, and they lost the first three games by a close margin. I think they are building something there along with uh, Detroit. They obviously have a good offense. Just a weird season for them with their point differential. Like they, they're averaging, as far as giving up points, like 35 a game. Just, just a weird season. And the Saints, I'm not really ready to pull the plug on Dennis Allen quite yet just because I know what he does defensively. I know that he's been in the building, and I know that the Saints draft well. And this Chris Olave guy had his first touchdown. I think he looks good. Got to get James back and healthy. Traditionally, he has been hurt a lot, and he obviously throws a lot of picks. I still think they can be a wild card out of the South. Looks more likely that the Buccaneers will win that division. But the teams like Arizona, who you got Kyler Murray and Cliff arguing on the sideline, obviously that dynamic isn't good. Panthers one and three. Uh, uh, I know Washington, they're just looking porous. And uh, along with uh, Houston and Indianapolis, these are teams that you got to think at some point uh, head coaching change is likely going to happen. The Jets could be in that boat with Robert Sala if they uh, continue to lose more games. I know that they won in Pittsburgh, but these are teams that are already having a, a hopeless feeling. And we're only a quarter of the way through the season, and it's valid. It's valid. Washington and Indianapolis being chief among them. So we'll see where it goes, but those are my teams that are on the uh, major hot seat, if you will, with their head coaches and the direction of their programs. That will do it here on the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're going to be back next week with MLB Playoffs in full swing. Cannot wait for it. It's the best time of year, October postseason is starting for baseball full swing of nfl nba nhl going on it's all sports in october can't wait for it we'll see you guys next time thanks for choosing the podcast